Great. Welcome, everyone, to Mentor Moments. This podcast is hosted by Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Students and the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter. I am Dr. Michael Keener, one of the hosts here with Brayton Wooters, one of our current students. Brayton? How's it going? Um, my name is Brayton Wooters. I am um, one of our students here um, in our program. Really, the, uh, the vision and the goal behind this podcast is to allow uh, students and um, those in the profession of rehabilitation counseling or counseling in general, just to get a better idea of uh, what the field looks like, what um, the profession looks like uh, out in the real world, and also just to get um, just advice from those who have been in the field that have uh, been doing this career for a while uh, and just learn more. We look forward to interacting with you um, on a fairly regular basis, so please keep tuning in. Thank you. On today's episode of Mentor Moments, we have Candace Farrell. Candace is an LPC and graduated from Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Program in 2007. Candace comes with a variety of experiences. She has worked as a clinical case manager at BJC. Um, currently, she also sees clients at St. Louis Counseling. She's also currently employed as a practice consultant for Anthem and is teaching adjunctly this semester for Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Program. So Candace, I think a good place to start would just be uh, just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. So, all right, my name is Candace, Candace Farrell. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor. So right now I actually have multiple jobs. I'll, I'll say that um, I work in the insurance company, um, but then I also work in a group private practice and uh, in an adjunct professor at Maryville University. Uh, typical day. Uh, Oh, that I can actually say that there is a typical day. Um, so generally with the private practice, um, I know who's on my schedule, um, who's going to come in. Uh, I don't typically know what the, I guess, presenting problem is per se. Um, so, so the clients may indicate that they have um, an idea of what they want to talk about in therapy. But when we come into the traditional therapy session and most of my therapy sessions are telehealth, um, they may start talking about something completely different than what, what they've identified as the problem area. Um, and so uh, we get into the, the traditional counseling session. And uh, so the other, the only constant there is paperwork. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't change. It is always there. So you mentioned telehealth. It surprised you about your job or just about your field in general um, starting out or even now that's really surprised you? Now, I, so I would say, and I think I'll, I'm going to say this, uh, in my history, so I, I started off, um, my history is a little bit interesting. I started off and um, I worked in community mental health. So I'm going to say that not a lot surprises me anymore, um, only because I have that interesting background working in community mental health. Um, and I, I worked in community mental health for about seven and a half years. And so I, I'd like to say that a lot was 
was thrown at me. I, I'm going to say thrown with the air quotes, but that that shaped who I am as a clinician um, because I was given a plethora of experiences in community mental health. Um, so I'm going to say not a lot surprises me anymore um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to counseling. Um, in a traditional, in a traditional setting, traditional telehealth setting. Yeah. 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 Candace, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I, I guess, you know, if a graduate, you know, first job got a community health, mental health job, I mean, what advice would you have for them seeing that again, you know, the variety of clients that they could, they could see? Yeah. I, I you know, for me, I, I definitely say that and I would encourage community mental health and or just um, community community services in general. Uh, I, I would encourage that, whether it be internship, I, and just really saturate in that because one, it, it gave me the opportunity to um, be knowledgeable about the services that are just offered in the entire metropolitan area um, in the service area that I was going to be working in and then um, I knew that I wanted to be my my focus was going to be on mental health um, so it gave me a huge insight on a variety of mental health uh, issues and concerns of uh, people it gave me the opportunity to work with people who um, have been diagnosed with a range of mental illnesses um, and so and it didn't just kind of pigeonhole me into just mental illnesses I'm sorry I keep trying to also light um, but it, it didn't pigeonhole me into just uh, working with a person with a mental illness but it gave me a, a, a variety of um, backgrounds so um, while I worked with a person who was diagnosed with major depression, major depressive disorder, I was able to see just the wide range of persons with major, with you know, who were diagnosed with major depressive, major depressive disorder. So um, I was able to see that not only you know seeing them work, be able to work, um, but also see people who um, were struggling a little, uh, struggling a little. Uh, but also see them to survive and thrive in the community setting, not not just be in in the hospital. I was also able to see people who were diagnosed with schizophrenia, but also see the services um, and, and also be provided with resources that were able to help um, people in the community um, and also see the wide range of services and resources in the community. I don't think that I was able, I would have been able to get that opportunity had I just gone to a traditional private practice. Um, and I think that that would have, it would have actually, for me, it may have stagnated where I was because I actually then went off to the insurance companies and started doing some case management in, in the insurance companies. And I wouldn't have been able to advocate for those clients with commercial insurance the way that I was able to 
um, with clients who had um, just Medicaid and Medicare. So I hope that that answers that. It does answer. I guess that last point that you mentioned, or at least that's struck with me, is sort of the the social justice aspect that you, um, having such a wide experience with clients, um, helped you in your new role, but then also, again, that more importantly, to self-advocate for them or help them to self-advocate as well. Yeah. I I certainly don't think that I would have had the the voice. Um, I, I don't... For me, and I can only speak for me, um, that I, I certainly found my voice working in the community mental health agencies, um, and that voice started off very dull um, and and grew working in that working in community mental health. So then I, I found, um, and, and oddly enough also through the rehabilitation counseling program because I was working while I was also going to school. Um, And so being able to advocate and also coinciding with the program, um, it, it helped me just to be more confident and where I was going and advocating for, for the population. So I, I think just to bounce off of what you just said, cause you just mentioned, you know, um, how the rehab, uh, counseling program helped you and aided you through your practice. Has there been anything from your education that has been a, like an obvious tool for you? Anything that's really struck out, um, anything that's really stuck out for you? Yeah. Um, one of the things that for me, uh, I find that the, so for the, the counseling program, so it's specifically for rehabilitation counseling, I've always been in the forefront of putting person first, one, um, which oddly enough, insurance companies and the medical field is so far behind in in that they are here we are and if i graduated the program in 2007 it is 2021 we are just now coming along with identifying person first and identifying and saying well if a mental health if if a person has a mental health concern then it's affecting their physical health needs and vice versa. So if they have a physical health need, then it may affect their, um, their mental health. And so I don't understand why we're so far behind when in the rehabilitation counseling program, we've been talking about these things and we have also been talking about putting the person first. And so if anything, that has consistently helped me along the way and remembering that always keep the person in the fourth and always identify the person as a human um, surrounding anything when it comes to, uh, to a part of their treatment um, and treat people with human with decency and respect. Yeah, Candace, I'm really glad you said that. So I think for any potential student who is listening to this that 
you know, really make that mind body connection that, that, you know, it's really a system. So really any sort of impact to one body system has an impact on, on other systems. So again, um, and even maybe on a broader um, perspective, you know, mental health can then also impact, you know, the employment setting or, you know, mental health at the employment site, if you're not necessarily feeling valued, can then impact personal life and personal, you know, well-being as well. And, uh, I, you know, again, I appreciate, I guess those two things too, that I'm hearing again, that, that there's a part of counseling, there's an advocacy piece, but also, um, again, that holistic and understanding how the, um, everything is interconnected. So I guess I'm going to ask for you to share any tips or nuggets of advice you'd like to give a student in the field or thinking or someone who's thinking about coming into uh, the rehabilitation counseling uh, program slash profession. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of wrote down a couple of things. And I think that for right, I think Brayton knows this. Uh, one of the things that so and I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to teach because I start, um, I start the um, uh, the class with just kind of a check in, and so but that's important. So the, my very first thing is anybody who's entering the field wants self care, um, and so I start the class with a check in, not because um, it's not because my role is a counselor, but because as you're entering the counseling field or in rehabilitation counselor, you have to be stable or balanced enough um, in order to, um, um, so to speak. And so um, I'm a huge advocate for that. So whether it be, and we're in all walks of life, so to speak. Um, and so if it is just unplugging, so if it's stepping away from social media, I didn't have, I'm not going to say we didn't have social media back in 2006. But it was MySpace back then, right? Was that what it was? <laughs> I think it was MySpace and we had to actually do the work to actually change the color of your page. Um, but, you know, so I don't that we really wanted to plug in back then. And I think Facebook was just coming up. So we weren't as plugged in. But I would say, you know take the apps off your phone for a minute or turn the phone off. Now, um, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate for at times either go for a walk. You can, we, you know, we can do that. Um, you know, it, it doesn't much for whatever your form of self-care is. Brayden and I both did a half marathon recently. Um, so, it's one of those, you know, just whatever form of self-care it is, please take that. Um, the other thing that I would encourage for anybody going into the field of rehabilitation counseling um, is to diversify. So if you're looking at going into the field, you don't always have to just stick to counseling. So much like I talked about my history and community mental health. Um, and then I also kind of mentioned that I work in the insurance company. 
you don't have to just stick to counseling. Why? I certainly enjoy counseling and I enjoy, um, I enjoy working with people. I would encourage you to diversify because it also prevents burnout. So much like a financial planner would encourage you to do that, that's what I would encourage anybody going into the field to do. And you can also be creative with that. So when we talk about being creative, it is it can look like if you're great at journaling or if you're writing, you can write a book or a self-help book or you know whatever your specialty is, you can do that. You can you can go into teaching or you can go into um there are like little self-help cards that you can do. Um, some people do workshops. You can do any and every one of those things, whatever your niche is, please do that. Um, so that would be one of the things that I would encourage. And then networking. So networking is essential. Uh, the counseling field is small. You're going to run into people who are um, counselors, rehabilitation counselors is even smaller. Um, so, you, so network and utilize those resources. So while I may not be a trauma therapist, I certainly know somebody who is a, a trauma therapist and I can utilize that person and refer um, on. And so, um, and they, they can also then refer to me with my specialties and the things that I specialize in. Um, and the last thing that I would encourage is to consistently maintain supervision because um, while we have supervision um, for licensed professional counselors, after you, you know, after you get your, so if your desire is to get your CRC um, and then in Missouri and or across the country, you have to have 3,000 hours or so of uh, clinical supervision to get your license. Um, so that has to be under somebody who's licensed. But even then, afterwards, I would encourage to have some type of person that you can go to, a mentor that you can bounce some things off of. Just because in the world um, of counseling, things change and you want to have somebody who you can establish that rapport with, who can mentor you, who you can um, go back to and ask those tough questions to and that you can get a solid um, response from. I think those are all great, great tips. I appreciate that you that you mentioned the creativity of the field. Um, that was something I had never really expected, I think, going into it. But really, like right out the right out the gate, I already noticed like, wow, there's a lot of different creative ways just from a just from a practice standpoint, but also from a career standpoint as well of just how broad you can go with it. Um, so we just want to take this time finally kind of to just before we wrap it up here, uh, like to hand the mic over. You did give a bunch of awesome tips, but is there anything left that you'd like to um, uh, give our listeners, our students for your mentor moment? Nope. I'm going to take this opportunity to plug Maryville University and the awesome program that, um, that Maryville has. I think that um, 
Maryville does a, an excellent job in preparing um, the counselors, the rehabilitation counselors for success, um, real life application. So that's what I'm going to plug here. Um, but yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Candice, we couldn't have been more happy for you to participate in our Mentor Moments podcast. And we look forward to you uh, continuing to being a positive force in the St. Louis uh, uh, rehab community. Thanks for joining Thank us. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mentor Moments hosted by the Maryville University Rehabilitation Counseling Student Organization and the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter, also affectionately known as Mercs and Mar, like cookies and cream, Mercs and Mar. Uh, if you want to learn more about our program here at Maryville University or just rehabilitation counseling in general, we want to encourage you guys to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at rehab underscore Maryville on Twitter at Maryville Rehab, or on Facebook at Maryville, Rehabil or at Maryville Rehab Counseling. If you wanna learn more about the Missouri Rehabilitation Association Eastern Chapter, you can log in um, online on mraeasternchapter.com to get more info. And we look forward to seeing you guys next time. All right, see you then.